I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been working in the field for well over 25 years. And through this podcast, Digging Deep, we're going to bring to you our knowledge, our challenges, our foibles, and of course, lots of stories to help you and your family create this wonderful landscape that you're expecting. Yeah. So when we say our foibles, put it this way, our screw ups, our sweat, our tears of joy, we're going to bring to you everything. That's what we're here for. So exactly, exactly. And speaking of uh, tears of joy and tears of pain, we're going to be talking about working with landscape contractors today. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and, and it's one of the number one questions that, for example, both Roberta and I, um, as we design, people then turn to us and go, uh, OK, great. Now who's going to put it in the ground? Right. Well, um, and we'll talk about that because I, I do work with two different landscape contractors that I have been working with for years because we have to develop a relationship. And sometimes I feel like this relationship is a bad marriage. Other times I feel the relationship is a great friendship. Sometimes I want to kill them. Uh, and other times it's just um, one of those symbiotic relationships where we need each other. Right. And and the same thing with me I, is is. We've called over the years a group of contractors, there's about four of them, that I can heartily recommend them. And the same thing, I mean, there, there are good things about them, there's things that not so good. But the big thing is, is that as a designer, you want to be able to recommend someone that you feel comfortable with. And the, the worst thing you can do is recommend someone that's going to make a mess of the job, screw up the job, or not show up to the job, because what it does is it then reflects on people like Roberta and I, because we've recommended you. Right, and I've told my contractors, listen, I am not the complaint department. So the number one thing, well, if they're, re if they're being referred by your landscape designer, that's, that's one good point. However, you also need to check if they are licensed and bonded. That's very important. And also getting referrals from people's landscapes they've installed. That's where the real uh, you know, news comes from. You want to talk to people that have had the experience. Did they show up on time? Um, did they leave trash all over their yard, you know, like lunches and, and empty bottles? Were they respectful? Was somebody speaking the same language as you? You know, those are the things that you want to know about. Absolutely. And that's probably, as Roberta was saying, that's probably one of the best things. You know, sure, I will give you a referral and uh, I'll make a recommendation of people that I've worked with, especially because they're familiar with the kind of expectation I have. But the other way to find it, if you're not working with a designer or you're not working with someone specifically, would be referrals, asking your friends, uh, asking your neighbor. Um, and then do not be afraid to go over and inspect the work and see because everyone has their own expectations of what they what they expect, what they think of, what the quality is. And someone can tell you, I can say to you, oh, this is amazing quality. And you go over there and go, it's not to my liking, like the, the brickwork or the masonry or the concrete work or the way that they've done the planting. Um, 
And other people will look at it and go, oh, my God, that's amazing. So everyone has their own aesthetic. And I think it's important that when you do get a referral or when you are talking and thinking about a contractor, that you actually go to see one or two of their projects so you can see the kind of work that they do. Right. And then um, another point about contractors, and I worked, and this is why we work with particular contractors, because we've built a relationship, but I don't want to show up to a job site and see that uh, my uh, contractors decided that it might be better to do something their way instead of right. what I've designed. Or um, when the plants come in, the nursery said, oh, we didn't have this, so we're giving you this. Uh-uh. You see... We have a vision of what we're planting and where, when it'll bloom, how big it'll get. And so if you're working with a crew that just wants to make it easy and says, yeah, send whatever you've got, you, you're, the integrity of your design is compromised. Exactly. And the, the sad thing is, is contractors get a bit a bad rap and um, some respects they're deserved and some they're not. And I'll tell you exactly what I mean by that is a lot of times um, there might be a question on a plan that either Roberta's done, I've done or another con a, a designer's done, and it may not be completely understandable. But in my case, and I know Roberta's, it's called a telephone call or a text. Um, we don't live in outer Splobovia where you where you can't get a phone call and you can't get a text. And it's easy for a contractor to say, I don't understand this or could you clarify this or could you stop by this? But what happens is a lot of times, even some of the best will take it upon themselves to either A, interpret or B, make a decision without asking. And so then you come onto the job site and you look at it and you go, wait a minute, that, that's not what was on the plan. And they'll go, oh, well, I interpreted it such and such. And it's like, you know what? You could have just called. You could have just texted. And a lot of times, as I said, it, it becomes very discouraging because in our mind, we have this vision and we try to interpret it onto and relate it onto a plan. And if someone doesn't understand that, it's very easy to just ask for clarification. But a lot of contractors basically, some of them don't do that. They'll just make the decision on their own and go ahead and merrily on their way. Right. Well, if, I, if, we, were in, if, we, were, if we were lecturing in an audience and I asked the people in the audience to raise their hand if they've ever had a, a problem having a contractor call them back, not just landscape contractor, general contractor, 90% of the hands would be raised. I don't know what it is, but using the phone with contractors, it's just, they could save so much trouble if they would just call. But, oh, I agree. In fact, you talk, I have a very funny story. And this this wasn't actually landscaping, but it, it, it illustrates the point. So uh, years ago, I was working on a custom house and they were at the same time they were remodeling and building the house as they were doing the landscaping. And I remember the homeowner came and she was, I mean, when you talk about livid, angry, furious. Well, what had happened was they were doing that. They were building the master uh master bedroom closet and closets are very important to people and especially the woman's closet and they were putting down um italian marble a tile inside the closet well they ordered they didn't order enough of it so instead of the contractor that was laying it 
and this is this is a very funny story. Instead of the contractor telling the general contractor, we don't have enough tile or is there more or can we get it um, so that not to stop production? What they did was he had the framer come in and make the closet smaller to fit the tile that he had. So when the homeowner came and she noticed that her closet was half the size of what it was supposed to be and couldn't understand because on the plans it had a certain size. And of course, a general contractor was tapping on the walls and discovered, yes, he had just made the closet smaller to fit the tile that he laid. Uh, it's absurd. Okay, now I'll tell you a story. And this does have to do with landscaping. So I had a client with a small backyard and um, I had designed in um, a beautiful stone patio, not very big, but also a path that had a slope, not very long, let's say eight feet long to the gate. And the important thing is, is that she had to pull her trash can from one side of the yard across the patio and down the slope out the gate. So I show up and I open the gate and what do I see? A step, a stone step. And I said, what? There is no step in this. Why is there a step? He said, well, it looks so good. And here's the classic one. She wanted it. Okay. <laughs> it's bullshit. She didn't want it because now you have to bump the trash can down. So, you know, in instances like that, I swear, I just want to open up a can of whoop ass because it just infuriates me because a contractor so often, not all the time, we're, we're going to go into the wonderful parts of them. Right. But They'll decide because they've got this like like blinders on like like the horses in the park where, you know, when you're when you're in a carriage, they're just looking at one little piece instead of the overall plan, which is what a designer does. We plan for everything that the client has told us they need. So. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it's and that, those are the nightmares, you know, that we're we're and and they're funny because they happen to everyone. But that that is one of the reasons that a lot of the a lot of times when you say the word contractor, people roll their eyes and they get a, they have a very bad reputation because it's almost like they're dri driving on a car. They're not looking what's coming and going. They're just going straight. And no matter what, they just keep going. They don't stop. They don't ask questions. They don't make a turn right or left. They just keep going until you go, yeah, but you just ran right over the dog and the kid and everything. You know, right. and, and so those, those are some of the things that you need to be aware of. Well, yeah. And so if you are doing a project without a designer and you have hired a crew, somebody is going to have to oversee that um, that job. Because whether, you know, if, if you've got a design that you got and then you decided you're going to use your own crew or you've designed it, this is something it's, it's called overseeing. And um, generally when you hire... Uh, let's say um, a builder, there, there is somebody in charge that is going to order supplies, knows the dates when things are, you know, are supposed to come in. And that's what our landscape contractors do. The good landscape contractors, they know the scope of the work. They know how long it's going to take. They know how much of what material has to come in. And, and literally what you need to do is write the check. That's the beauty. Right of good landscape contractors or general contractors. Right. 
So what what it's an interesting point, because that's a really good thing to talk about was a lot of and there are times when my clients will will do the same thing. I'll recommend either a landscape contractor or a general contractor that will oversee the entire job. And it takes the worry. It takes the headache and it takes the finger pointing away. And let me explain that in a minute. A lot of clients will say, but can't I do it cheaper if I bring in a bunch of sub contractors, someone to build the build the pergola, someone to lay the patio, someone to do the grading, someone to do the irrigation. And yes, in many respects, if you as the homeowner were knowledgeable about everything that was going on, you could bring in different subs that could do the different tasks and probably save some money. But that means that you as the homeowner has to make sure that everyone is falling and everything is falling into place. When you, when, if you don't do that, as Roberta said, someone's got to keep an eye on it. What winds up happening is if you don't have that, then you get the grading is done and the person that's coming maybe to lay the concrete will say, well, they graded it wrong. That's not my my problem. Or if something goes wrong, like the pool has been set at the wrong elevation, too high, too low. And then the person that's supposed to pour the foundations or the concrete or do the grading will say, I can't grade because they screwed this up. And you're standing there. You're now the homeowner in the middle of it going, well, who do I talk to? Um, um, and and who's going to take care of that? And do I have to and pay someone to fix pointed. One's going to exactly. point to the other, and the other's going to point to the other. And um, I, I just did a landscape design. Actually, I haven't finished it because they had uh, construction done. And imagine that they're... Their new add-on, her art studio, there's a maybe a 50-foot difference between that and the new garage casita that they made. But there's a slope. So they hired a pool designer, right? Has nothing to do with me because, you right. know, when they design the pool, I'll use that. I'll drop it onto, into my plan. But I'm noticing that the pool, alongside the pool, there's like several steps going down. And I thought, what? No. If you have a pool, you want a level area, right? People get out, it's wet, it's slippery, or you're entertaining at night. You know, you, you don't want to be having to fall down uh, steps. And so um, I said to them, you know, we're going to dig hundreds of yards of soil out of here. We could change the grade. It, we don't have to just follow the grade. Now, because they worked with the pool designer and they were going to have one guy supervise all the different parts. There was no one chief in charge. And I said to them, you know, very often a pool company or pergola company, all they look at is how they're going to build their pergola or pool. They don't look at the surrounding, like how you're going to live with that pool under that pergola. So generally when you have a pool put in, your package will come with 400 square feet of concrete. Well, right. most of the time that's not enough. And the and the package if you look in the and I discovered this a long time ago, and I think in one show we might have mentioned it, but the reality is if you look at a pool company and you look at their contract, at the very back in very teeny little letters, it basically says that the pool company is not responsible for any drainage 
from the for uh, as a result of the pool. And so you're putting in 10,000 gallon receptacle of water and basically saying to the homeowner, we're not responsible for the drainage. So if the water flows into the pool or out of the pool and floods something else, they're not taking responsibility. And that's a crime because when you think about it, that much water captured in one place, that's someone needs to consider the drainage. So A, if the pool overflows or you have bad erosion and all of the mud and everything is now gonna flow into the pool. So that is one of the reasons that you can't just put the pool in there and forget. And, and I will say recently, the same situation, we designed the whole yard and instead of using one person that kind of oversee, over went over the whole thing, they hired a pool company who put the pool in we designed, but they put the pool in too high. So every time you wash off the patio around the pool, it drains back to the house. So then I, I show up and I said to them, you know that this is done incorrectly. And she was the one that asked me, she goes, I think the pool was set too high. And I said, it was, you're gonna have to put drainage all the way around the perimeter of your house because now there's not enough area to be able to put additional drainage because it's that close and everything's flowing back to the foundation of the house. Right, and imagine that you just spent $80,000 on this pool, right? The last thing you wanna hear is you're gonna have to have more money put out to put drains in and probably right. tear up whatever planting is, you know, in those areas to get the drainage in. So Absolutely. So it's very, very important when you're choosing a landscape contractor that um, if it's referred by your designer and your designer, um, you know, is trustworthy and you've seen jobs online, then you've got a leg in. But also you you just, you know, it's not a, it's, it's easy. You can go onto the contractor's board, whatever state you're in, look up the company, see if there's, uh, if they're licensed and bonded, see if there's any demerits or, um, you know, that it's. Uh, no big deal, but it's worth doing because the headache, I mean, the headache with any kind of construction, there's a lot you could do in the beginning to mitigate that. So you end up being in a good relationship with your contractor, someone you trust and you and you love. And I have when I have um, clients that tell me, oh, I, we had the greatest. I said, what's his name or their name? I write it down because when I get that kind of referral, you know, for someone that I don't work with. I could pass it on knowing that, you know, my clients were very particular or they did, you know, this gorgeous job. It's someone I could recommend. Absolutely. And there are certain questions. And, you know, if you're listening out there and you're going, well, you know, yes, we, we the first thing we said was ask for referrals, go to see the work, see if there were problems. And every job has problems. It's not that, oh, it, it was picture perfect. We never had a problem. It's how did they deal with the problems? Did they just say blow you off or did they come back and fix it? That's one thing to ask for. The next thing you also have to ask for if as you're interviewing contractors and you're going through it is you wanna know, are they going to handle getting all the permits? Is it going to be done according to um, codes and regulations? Are they gonna get the permits? Are they gonna handle all the permits and are they gonna meet with the inspectors? Because again, People assume that word is very dangerous when you assume, oh, I hired someone. Yeah, I'm assuming that they're going to get permits. I'm assuming that they're going to get it inspected. I'm assuming this. And then you find out later on that there were no permits pulled or it wasn't inspected. And what happens is I just saw that with my in-laws. Um, they basically um, right next door, we 
their old 60 year old deck had to be replaced you know we had to go through the city we had to get permits we had to go get all of all of the the legalities their next door neighbor just started to rip out their old deck and just build something and in the middle of the project no one bothered to ask about permits well in the middle of the project the city who was down the street came and red tagged the job stopped the whole construction it's been like five months and they're sitting there with no deck with no place to sit no place to walk because the city came in and said we need drawings we need permits and you're not doing another board you're not doing anything until we get that that's right and if you have already built something they will make you take it down and yes. everything so the reason why, I mean, everybody hates inspectors, right? You hate to have to pay for permits, but um, there's a couple important points. There are different parts of our city that we're in, we're in Sacramento, that um, have different guidelines and setbacks. So if you want to do a, a carport, could be that in your area you can't. They don't allow it. And you hire a contractor and he doesn't pull permits and he builds it. Well, now you've paid the contractor, you bought the materials, and you have to tear it out. They'll make you tear it out. And the other part about having something permitted is structures are engineered, which means that if, if we're in a, a storm or a strong wind and, and the structure that you put up with no permits lifts and crushes your house or crushes the neighbors, you're liable for that money. For whatever it costs to replace the damage, you are liable. It is not part of your insurance. It, has it was never permitted. Therefore, you're on your own. So, you know, you just grin and bear it and make sure that whatever needs permitting, you talk to your contractor about who's going to do it and who's going to pay for it. Because if they, you know, if they're going to pay for it and pull the permits, fine, but make sure it's in the contract. Right. Another thing to ask a contractor, what are the warranties? So, for example, you're putting in, you know, again, we assume that everything that we were getting is brand new and that there's a warranty and they last a long time. Well, let's say, for example, you put new, new, uh, you've got a, a sprinkler timer or you have a lighting transformer or you have certain materials that you bought. You need to ask the contractor what kind of the, what kind of warranty, what kind of guarantee so that if if a year goes by and the thing breaks down, you're not they don't turn to you and go, I'm sorry, there are no warranties on that. Or they don't even call you back because um, they, you know, you don't know anything like that. So that's another question to ask before you hire someone or while you're you're interviewing a contractor. Um, when you put things in, is there a warranty on sprinkler parts? Are there is, is there a warranty on transformers? Is there a warranty on timers? What kind of guarantees and materials? I mean, when I'm buying some of this material, does it have any sort of warranty? Some of it doesn't, but some of it you want to know so that if it falls apart or it starts to break apart. Um, for example, synthetic wood products like um, things like Trex, things like TimberTech, they have a long-term warranty that you need to be aware of. You need to get that in writing so that if it starts to crumble, not because the contractor did something wrong, but because the material is faulty, you have a leg to stand on and, and it can get you can get new replacement without having to spend another $10,000. Right. Well, with those particular materials, and this is something to ask as well, um, most, most with my contractors, your plants are under warranty, the irrigation's under warranty, and the second page of your contractor, third page is going to talk about um, what's under warranty and for how long. Now, something like a Trex or a TimberTech deck, what you need 
just like when you buy a product, you need to register. You need to show your invoice and register it. And then you're good to go. You have a 25-year warranty. So, you know, you need to know the particulars. And some contractors honestly don't know how that works. Right. um, You need to ask questions. Exactly. So that's another thing that is really important that you want to ask about that and you want to find out. Um, Time. You want to know how long this project is going to take. That doesn't mean that it may run over or or it go faster or slower. But um, if it's an open-ended thing, when you don't ask that question, how long is this project? Is this going to go on for a month? Is it going to go on for two months? Is it going to go on for six months? That may be a deciding factor for you because if you're in your mind, you're thinking that the project's going to be done, we start now and it's going to be done for spring, early spring, late spring, or you're going to start a project and it's going to be ready for summer. And you've never asked that question and it drags on. And some situations, even like with pool companies, they basically will start a project and then they'll go on to another one. And sometimes you can wait four to six months before your project is done, you're thinking you're going to be swimming in a month or two months and six months go by and the project is still not done. Yeah, no, you need to have it on the contract. You know, most contractors with landscaping, it'll be a four to six week or longer project, but you have to have it written down. And you also want to make sure, and and my clients ask me this, well, are they going to like show up one day and then not for a couple of days? No, I don't work with contractors that leave a job half done or half cocked, as my grandmother would say. You get in there, the crews I work with, they get in and they don't leave until they're finished. Now, someday right. they might leave the, the, the masonry guy there because nobody else can do anything until that's done. However, there's no nobody walks away and leaves a job completely for weeks or months. And so that's part of asking for references as well and also for speaking up with your contractor and what to ask you know for and even put it in writing not that you know i i heard a story years ago when they were redoing LAX this is years and years ago when the olympics were here they was they put the contract out to bid to renovate the airport and um the contractor that could do it in the least amount of time got paid double the amount. And so this contractor, you bet your butt, worked and did it. It's quite a story. You could look it up because I never remember exact facts. But anyway, um, you know, with the landscape design, you certainly don't need a competition. And here's the other thing. If you're having a wedding in July, do not think you can call a contractor in June and get the work done in a month. Exactly. Jobs, you know, you got to plan you got to know when the start date is and if you try to do it at the last minute you're going to be disappointed right and that's a that i'm glad you bring that up because that brings us to what's happening right now the pandemic is going on and um people think oh you know people uh a lot of the contractors probably want business and to keep busy and everything but because that's the one area you know, landscaping that has not slowed down. Um, Right now, it's very difficult in our area. I don't know about other areas across the United States, but I will say in Northern California, it's very difficult to find available contractors. And so I just recently had a client who wrote and said, um, she said, I'm getting bids or anything, but 
Um, and one of the contractors that I talked to was great, but he said he couldn't start till the end of May, the beginning of June. I don't want to wait that long. Can you give me another recommendation? I gave her two more people, but what I said to her, and I was very, very uh, careful to say, I'm going to give you another two recommendations, but I will tell you they're very busy and it may be the same situation. At this point in time, one, one of the things that all of you um, that are listening need to be aware of is start early because when right now in our area, a good contractor is totally booked. If there's if you can get a contractor that'll show up immediately there, you I would be suspect because there is so much work there and there's so many contractors that are basically saying I'm already booked. Into, well into half the year and I can't I can't basically I can give a bid I can sign a contractor I can sign a client up but I won't be able to start till say uh, end of April May June around there because I have no availability that's the normal so if, but if you have contractors and, and someone's telling you oh I can start in a week or two I'd be a little bit careful about that because as I said with the amount of work out there and the amount of contractors that as busy as they are someone that has no business that can start immediately it makes you wonder why don't they have any business well again you're gonna look for references and um just just before we close, I have to tell you, just recently, a friend of mine told me that uh, he wanted to renovate his kitchen. And so, you know, the neighbor had a guy that did some work, and, they, and so he had him over to take a look at it. And the guy told him, he said, well, I'm not sure what's in this wall, so what you need to do is uh, open the wall, the sheetrock, to see. And I said, wait a minute, uh-uh, <laughs> no. Any contractor worth his salt is going to go up in the attic and look at the load-bearing beams, look at all that. I said, do not hire him. You know, you don't you don't tell a client to open up their own wall, make right, it right. And do that. So anyway, it's like I said, it's it's the world of contracting. Um, if you're working with a designer and you have references or you have friends that have referred them, that's all well and good. But also do your legwork because you want to, um, you know, it's money spent and you want to make sure that you get what you pay for. Ask the right questions. Don't be afraid to go and ask to see their work. Talk to the uh, talk to your friends and ask your friends. Ask what kind of problems they have, and not that they had problems, but how did they resolve the problems? And be patient. Good contractors are worth waiting for. Don't try to rush your project just to get it done because a project that you're rushing through may turn out to be more of a nightmare when when it's all said and done because you have to do it and redo it or it's getting ripped apart than waiting the two or three months or four months that it's going to take to get someone that's really good quality. That's right. Well, hopefully this has been enlightening for you as far as um, if your next step is hiring a contractor, even contemplating it. So um, like we said, we're here to share with you all that we've been through. And we've been through it all with contractors, the good, the bad, and the wonderful. <laughs> so. Right. The good, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And as I said... It's it's uh, people that have been in the field understand it. They they can we still continue to work with contractors. We have glowing remarks and sometimes not so glowing, but it is a process, and that's what we're here for is to try to share some of the things to make the process a little easier for you. So I'm Michael Glassman, and I'm Roberta Walker, and we are digging digging deep. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>